Hey everyone, this is Sab and we are live in Dubai. Today we have very special guests. We're going to talk about influencer and new media. So we have with us the CEO and the founder of Alfan Group. Welcome Muhammad to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here, man. So tell us Muhammad how you start your brand. Can you please like introduce yourself? Of course. So my name is Muhammad Fattal. I was actually born in Dubai, but I grew up in Canada uh, from Syrian origin. Uh, I always had a passion for online content. I was watching YouTube videos way back in the day. Uh, and what I ended up realizing when I was in high school, I'm like, how come there's nobody here in the Middle East creating like, YouTube videos like this? And even though like, there was Qasem G, but he was like an Arab American, we had Ray Liam Johnson, but there was nothing here in the Middle East. So as soon as I went into university, uh, didn't really like my major, but I just loved being on my computer. I realized, hey, like, there's not much happening in the Middle East. So when I dug deep into it, there's barely anybody even using YouTube. And as somebody like, you know, when you're young, you're always on YouTube yeah. and you show it to your parents like, man, what are you doing? Like, what does it doesn't make sense? Uh, but I ended up realizing, hey, you know what? There's a lot of power on YouTube, but there's people that are using Twitter here in the Middle East. Let me tweet at them. Be like, hey, like, look, I can help you manage your YouTube channel. And this is really where the idea of Alfan came. It's like, really, we wanted to kind of create something where you help people to create content mm -hmm. and really help them take something from a local level to a global level. That's really and that was the idea really behind Alfan early on. So actually the fan is standing like for uh, the fan in English, right? Is exactly. So it's two kind of things. So Alfan is, it actually comes from the word Alfan, which is art. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's the fan. But you have the word AL in front of it, okay. where it's like algebra. So my dream was always, hey, when I want to create something. Mm -hmm. I want it to kind of be created by an Arab person to mm -hmm. actually reach a global limit. And where that's really the power of it, right? To be able to create something that's truly global. And the same way algebra built its name from... And people knew that it's originated in Arabia was due yes. to the, the AL aspect. Yes. So it was the same concept, but an AL behind the word fan, which is the audience, uh, and hopefully it gets global. This is really interesting. And also like Muhammad, you started like flipping video on YouTube before, you know, like... Exactly. Yeah, so, so this is something many, many people don't know about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the old YouTube concept was like, you know what, how do I build an audience? Yeah. I didn't really have a camera, but all I had was a laptop. Correct. So what I ended up doing in university days was I would find, I'm like, you know what, what's something that I liked? Cars. Let me make a video which is like a PowerPoint style. Yeah. Which was like the top 10 best looking cars. Mm-hmm. The video ended up doing very well, and the reason it did very well at the time, yeah. I had a spelling mistake in one of the car names. Okay. So everybody was correcting me, uh -huh. but because they were correcting me, that increased the engagement of my video. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it got almost half a million views. Wow. That's... So I, when I made $400 out of it, I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm in university and I'm just sitting here that spent 30 minutes on a video and I made $400. And I think that at that time, it's like half a million was have its own weight, not like right now. You can have exactly. it in one day. Exactly. So that time was really like when you have half a million can be and the whole city. And you've never seen it. Yeah, exactly. But the algorithm back then was very easy to kind of like, I'm not going to say abuse, but to play around with too. Yeah. And I see like after this like approach as well, you tried to kind of contact some influencer. I can say like a name, for example, like Yahya Hawa, the yeah. artist, like um, uh, how... You try Man, to you know the names of my very first few clients. Of course, <laughs> of course, you know. So how that names like ring bell in your in mind, like the memory. So what I remember when I wanted to start a fan, I'm like, all right, who do I know who creates? Because when I was doing my own videos, a big issue we had was copyright. Yeah. And copyright was very popular back then, but it wasn't understood. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is like, you know what? I can't. I don't have the resources to create original content. Of course. Let me support people who created original content. Mm -hmm. So who did I know from my circles that I had? I knew their manager on social media, and what I did back then was I tweeted at them, mm -hmm. right? Or I sent them a Facebook message, and I'm like, hey, like, you have all these videos, but you don't have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Let me really help you set up. 
And for them, it's like, what's YouTube? What's the benefit behind it? Yeah. Even TV channels at the time never even utilized YouTube. 100%, yeah. You slowly prove to them, and you're like, hey, look, don't pay me anything. If I make you money, I'll give you a cut. And they're like, you're going to work for free? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And slowly, one by one, I built my network that way. I think this is really like um, uh, the real mindset of an entrepreneur, which is like, um, you need to go and take things by yourself at first stage because um, it's just you and trying to make things work, you know. I want to ask you also in terms of study, you studied, um, first of all, like um, economic. Exactly. And then you go more specialized in technologies, entrepreneurship, and innovation. And I think in that period of time, it may be that was the first patch of entrepreneurship because there is nothing like entrepreneurship before, right? Exactly. Like so it's not a known concept. It's not a known concept, yeah. right? So um, ha, ha, why are you choosing that things? Maybe you could actually go to finance and more some investment thing. Why you choose to entrepreneurship? To be honest, when I discovered the concept of entrepreneurship, and it's always existed, but it existed in a way where before to be an entrepreneur, you had to get, let's say, $100,000, you open up a restaurant, mm -hmm. and you open up your business. And that's the common thing behind entrepreneurs. Yeah. But when I look at the today day and age, resources online are free for everybody. Correct. Right? So what I was, when I noticed that it's like, look, I can create a business, but I don't know too much about the business aspect, the finance aspect. I just knew I loved doing what I was doing. And I was doing this back when I was younger, like by flipping tiny things. I remember my father got me like a deck of cards and like a, it was a Yu-Gi-Oh game. And uh, I was like, oh, he paid for this one. But I was still selling each card separately. Okay. And I ended up making more money. So I was able to like give him the money back for that deck. Yeah. So it was like little concepts like that made me realize that, you know what, I love this whole concept of business. Okay. But regular business university is about finance and accounting. So yes, like, of course. Where is like the easier courses in business, but also the fun aspect? And that's where I discovered entrepreneurship. That's a really very interesting story, uh, Muhammad. I want to ask you like the next step, like for example, right now after like you having your educations, and then how you decide to move into from like uh, expanding your team and actually uh, let's call it like building the first team and starting pitching for investment. You know, so how we go on that steps? Sure. So actually, the way it happened for me was back in 2015. Uh, 2014, summertime, I finished university. I got into my master's. And then I was like, you know what? This is, I'm going to do this full time. Okay. Uh, and I didn't have anybody doing anything. But usually, the way investments work is that if you raise, let's say, a million dollars, you already have a plan of who you're going to hire. Yeah. I did it the other way. I did it organically. Mm -hmm. I realized, OK, where am I spending a lot of time? And where is the best way that I can you know, utilize my opportunity cost to focus somewhere else, Correct. which is my strength? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time in this area. Let me hire one person for here. Mm -hmm. And slowly, organically, I built my team. Correct. And this way, you made sure that you realize you're not building your team and you're spending a lot of money without, especially early on, didn't have much knowledge in the business Yeah. Right. and the way you run business. So you make sure that you realize that, hey, grow organically mm -hmm. because then you know, you're not spending money in the wrong places. Yeah. And ever since we've built the team, and now we almost have 40 people on board with Elfan. That's really an interesting story, you know. And Muhammad, now based on that, we got like the first approach. Do you feel like the economic that you study uh, different from reality business in terms of like you can do best business plan, but when you go to actions, your plan it can be you need to be ready to be changed based on situation, right? Look, I'll be completely honest with you. Like when I studied economics, for me it was like my father's dream was for me to have a degree. Because I understand where his perspective is that when you have a degree, you guarantee your future in a way. Because then if I wanted to apply for a job, I have something to kind of fall back on. Correct. But what I learned in economics was really more about the global thing, like supply and demand. But when you go into the real world, sure, you understand supply and demand and elasticity, but that's not how you run a business. Yeah. So really, it's about working, trying to get your first client, yeah. failing, trying again, trying again. And getting into those rejections, like I remember I had a lot of awkward stories 
And I think those are the stories that really built my character. Because if I had everything spoon-fed to me and I thought, hey, university was going to pave the way, I might not have been doing the same thing that I've been doing now. I think I agree 100% with you, Muhammad, because I think um, maybe the difference between like um, uh, the US and Europe and Middle East, which is like, uh, we don't have the culture of failures. Failure is a huge thing, you know? And I think you're right. Um, 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 we need to adopt failures because um, with failure, we, uh, we earn experience, which is people call it experience. Exactly. You need to fail to learn how to do things, you know? So um, I think because everyone has that question in hand, it's like how you felt first time when you have your own um, business model and then you are pitching to investors for first time as a first startup, you know? And for sure, like you have some good comment, you have some kind of cr critic, you know? But what you learned from that first seed investment, you can share it with us. So definitely what really helped take Elfan to the next level is by having my first seed investors. Because when I closed my investment, it really, because when, usually when you're an entrepreneur, you don't report to anybody, you report to yourself. Yes. And of course you're hustling because your drive is there and you really want to build something. But when you raise the investment, it started letting you know that, hey, like people think it's cool to raise an investment, but you got to also know that you're taking somebody's money yeah. and your reputation is on the line. Because if you don't help grow that investment for them, it's not just about taking it and people celebrate, hey, I was able to raise $5 million. No, it's about I was actually able to make their $5 million become $50 million. Wow. That's the real success of the story. Yes. Right? So for me, it was like a realization of like, hey, I just got that investment. But it didn't come easy. It took me a year and a half to close the first one. Wow. You know, you see like in all these movies right now, it's like, yeah, like I met with this person and in two weeks I had a check for like a million dollars. That's the way they glamour, like yes. make it a more of a glamour aspect. Yeah. But that's not the reality behind it. Look, for some ideas, if you had the next Uber, maybe. Yeah. But for the less traditional concepts, investors are not going to jump on it like crazy, right? Especially now with what happened in COVID, yeah. a lot of businesses went down, right? There was WeWork, yeah. which was worth $50 billion. It went crash. But yeah. now people realize it's only worth $2 billion. So investors are now going to be very careful when they want to invest in the next business. I think I totally agree with you, Mohammed, because you're right. I think like uh, at 2014, or actually when you, um, you raised your first round, which is like uh, your business model is very innovative, which is it's not like selling clothes or a store or something that it's very easy to understand. Um, I believe like you're getting a very good investor with you, you know, at that point, which is understanding that business model can be expand and the future going to be about content, right? Exactly. And the most important thing when you raise an investment, don't just get money from anybody. They call it smart money. Yeah. So actually the investor that I had on board and our board member, he was crucial in helping grow Alfan because as you say your ideas, they help bring it a bit more in reality yeah. and like really pushing you. And when they push you, it makes you even think more about your idea. What was like the first call with your dad after you confirm, confirm, like confirmed the investment? You know, dad, I raised a couple of million. Like, <laughs> how was that reaction? Look, honestly, like the way my father played it, like he was very supportive growing up with whatever okay. I wanted. But he worked hard, like, uh, you know, he grew up in Syria, yes. he moved to Dubai, and yeah. his main thing is like, I want to get that passport, because yeah. I think that passport in Canada is really going to help change our lives. Yeah. And like, we moved to Canada, humble beginnings, but he worked very, very hard. Yeah. So he wanted to make sure, hey, I put all that energy to my kids, yeah. uh, I want to see something proper come out of them, right? So it was a lot of, especially like in the beginning, I went into engineering first year. Yeah. It didn't work out. I went into business. Didn't work out. Went into economics. So for him, he's like, man, I hope my son is going to be able to pull his weight. Yeah. So it took a lot, but I think when I first got the investment, that's when he, I think he took a breath. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I think my son is able to kind of move, uh, move on with his life and really build something. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like just kind of making your parents feel comfortable and proud of you. And yeah. I think part of me, 
and what made me work really hard was to kind of actually get him to be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, like I am proud of you. Like I believe in what you're doing. Shout out to Daddy if he's watching this. Exactly. You know, because he <laughs> really been, make... He was very supportive. Like yeah. in the beginning, he was the one that was managing my books. Wow. And I'd be like, Muhammad, you're spending too much. Muhammad, you're spending too much. Because you get excited, right? You're making your first thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I want to buy this camera. I want to do this. Yeah. But he's, he just kind of like humbled me a bit as well in the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's crucial because cash flow is super important in any business. Yeah. And also there is an interesting thing, Muhammad, because you study in uh, Toronto, you know, and then you decide to go back to Middle East. I feel like I'm more into like, you could actually do a business there or move to US, but you come back to Dubai where you're born here and trying to help and building the scene. Exactly. What is that, like, what is behind this thought? You know, maybe you have thought that to do something after you study in Canada and said to come back here. Maybe there's a story you want to share with us. No, definitely. Like, look, I was born here in Dubai, but Dubai 20 years after that was a whole different story. Right, like you come here, I came here back in 2013, and I was like, whoa, like the country changed completely. Yeah. But the aspect is when I looked at Dubai, I saw a crazy opportunity. When you look at Canada, yeah, it's more of a socialist country, uh, and the country is built on its foundations, and it's very good, but when I looked at Dubai, I saw a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And you saw how quick the country was growing. True. So I decided, I'm like, hey, let me give it a, give it a step, and I came here, and when I started supporting creators, mm -hmm. I was able to get along really well with the Arab creators, yeah. right? And then I just kept on seeing the opportunity and I came here and the opportunity just kept on happening. Like I remember one time I was just went into an event before I opened up an office and I just sat next to somebody and I realized he's from New York and I was just complaining about the Dubai heat. <laughs> and uh, talking to him, he was a big director in an advertising agency. Wow. And that meeting right there was like a $150,000 check. Wow. So that just blew my mind. Like the fact that I can just go to an event, yeah. meet somebody, talk to them, show them what we do, and they can be a client at that level. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, there's something here. Like I have to really focus on the opportunities in this country. Yes. This is really interesting things, you know. 2014, you're starting like after you raise your uh, round and you're starting reaching even like Two billion. We raised in 20, end of 2017. 2017, right? Yeah, end of 2017. But at, um, at 2014, you started growing your own network, like two billion views per month. And this is something huge, you know, because I want to also highlight about um, what you learn about scaling startup, because now you have the funding and you need to start like scaling your business. Exactly. So where was your focus? Is it marketing? Is it operation team? So where was your focus in the first couple of years? So. After I built the foundation of the company and I saw the company started to grow and the business model was perfect, but now to scale it is like, how can I do what I'm doing at a hundred times? Yeah. Right. And this, the answer for me was technology. So I took a step back and I'm like, okay, where is the team? We have 35 to 40 people. Mm -hmm. Where's a lot of energy being put? Yeah. And I realized those areas and I'm like, what we're doing here can be automated, like simply what we're doing here can be automated simply. And that's where like in 2020, especially the idea of the Elfan platform came where it's a platform to support creators and any kind of creator with three main functionalities, whether yeah. it's understanding your audience, uh, supporting you with all technical issues across all your platforms, yeah. and discovering new opportunities, yes. whether through music distribution or advertising deals. But you realize that's the concept of Elfan, the way we're building it, yeah. through an app. Yeah. And that really, that's the way you kind of scale, because running it as an agency model, scaling by hiring a lot of people is a very scary way to scale, because yeah. you're also increasing your cost. The way you have to scale is like you got to keep your costs at a minimum, but keep your revenues at a higher level. 
I think you're right in this because it makes sense because you're starting as a creator so you can understand what is the real pain for creator, you know? And this is very crucial for your startup in terms of scaling. And the same thing I want also to highlight about the other point, which is like right now this platform, YouTube, Facebook, and other platform is growing at very high speed, which is creating a huge gap between the creator and the platform. So basically to play as like a middle uh, relationship and empowering this creator, it play big roles to actually helping this creator to learn how to grow exactly. their own community. Because it's not like when you have like 10,000 people subscriber, like you have millions of subscribers. So it's become more onto right now, every creator, it is like his own network and his own brand. 100%. And when you look at creators, like look at yourself, for example, you guys are on Instagram, on YouTube, on so many podcast platforms. So before it was just like, before it was like you're managing your own YouTube channel. Correct. But now you're managing 20 different platforms. So we realized this is the pinpoint of creators. They're managing all these different platforms. They're managing all these different revenue streams. They're, and sometimes they're like bound by like a lot of capabilities capabilities, right, from like building larger teams, but they just need that support. Yeah. So for us, like how can we build a solution that helps you live simply yeah. and create content in a simpler way yeah. so you can focus on your creative aspect instead yeah. of focusing on the technical aspect that takes so much out of your time. 100%. And this is where the idea of the new Elfan kind of came in, yeah. where it's like, how can I simplify your life by creating content yeah. so you can unleash your creativity? Where we focus on the rest, so we take away all the analytic understanding from all the social platforms. Yeah. We take away how to figure out all the different incomes that are coming to you, you get it in a nice dashboard. Yeah. And how can you get all your opportunities? Yeah. Right? Simplified in that aspect. And I think also like you're expanding in very uh, crucial point, which is like, maybe like it was a kind of karma when you're starting the, like with the, working with the first Yahya, the artist. It was like uh, about music. And I think you're starting also launching your uh, Alpha music, which is, um, uh, literally, we have a lot of artists, like Arab artists or other like language artists based here in the region. Uh, back time, they are not aware about the social media and they don't have really existing. So mostly like a digital store and cassette and CDs and everything. So how you find the mission and trying to convincing this artist to jump on this platform and helping them to understand about like there is money can be made from streaming, from royalties and other things that they never be aware beyond the, the physical CD and store. So how exactly. it was that mission in terms explaining and pitching to this artist? Because pitch it itself, right? 100%. Like, look, when I look at it, it's not just about artists, anybody who creates content. And really, by creating content, this is the new digital asset. Because you look in a world where we're always on our smartphone, yeah. right? People are fighting the phone, but the reality is, especially the newer generation, they're going to be stuck to it. So if, we, if we're realizing people's attention is on their phone, uh -huh. it's like we got to figure out how can we be there. Yeah. So even for artists, yes, CDs and asset and cassettes and all those were very cool, and we get all that like memories from using them. But at the same time, it's about how can I create as much content and how can I push it across a lot of platforms. Right. So there's agencies and record labels that you know, push your music to a couple of platforms. Mm -hmm. We push it to 30 plus platforms. Okay. We even make it simpler for you so you can understand where all your audience is coming from mm -hmm. and all your revenue from all your streams are coming from. If you start understanding this and you get it in a simpler way, you can tell artists, hey, just keep on creating content. Push it wherever because you never know where somebody's going to catch it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What we ended up seeing with the rise of TikTok a lot of artists grew viral from TikTok. Mm -hmm. And they don't, TikTok is not gonna give you any money for your music. Yeah. But it just, hey, let me put it here. And because people put it on TikTok, mm -hmm. they ended up seeing their music get millions and millions of streams. Wow. And now they're the new celebrities as well. Yeah. Right? This is the beauty about socials. The algorithm itself can push your content. But it's on you to be consistent in creating as much content as you can. 
Yeah, I think this is like, it take me to the next question. It's really fantastic <laughs> because right now, everybody's talking about TikTok. And we see right now, like, um, we call it the new trend of influencer and brand collaborating together on TikTok and creating disruptive, like, uh, content. I think, like, YouTube are uh, not happy about this and they're starting trying to also launch a new feature as well to kind of disrupt the things. Do you feel right now sometimes a new platform can create like a new trend, forcing other platforms to go with the same vertical? 100%. Like when you look at the history of social, uh, these platforms are very, very strong and they're backed by billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. So when they see an opportunity, they're not going to let it go. The same way Facebook tried to buy Snapchat early on for three billion. Yeah. And we were all like, whoa, like Facebook is going to buy Snap for three billion? This guy, this 26 year old should sell it. Yeah. Right? But he didn't. And now Snap is at a whole different level. Yeah. And then you're seeing the rise of TikTok. So usually what you end up realizing is the platform that invented the idea ends up being the best. Because yeah. you're going to get a lot of copycats with of whatever course. business you create. And it even happened to us yeah. with even people using our logo very similarly to us. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like you realize YouTube was the founder of short long term long form video yeah uh twitter was the form of messaging yeah snapchat was the founder of stories tiktok is the for founder of short videos yeah right every platform that's the founder of the the creative at format mm -hmm. is the one that's doing the best with it yeah they're all going to try and replicate it it's very tough mm -hmm. but it's a very very difficult battle but it can be done so that's why these platforms continue to innovate if you saw Instagram just focus on pictures the way they did back in the day, and by the way, Instagram did destroy a lot of players. Yes. I don't know if you remember Keek. I remember, yeah. Keek came up with like 30 second videos and people were getting very viral on Vine it. Vine as well. Vine as well. Yeah. But Instagram came up with their 30 second to one minute videos and destroyed it. That's true. And create like the vertical video as well, like exactly. the new norm. Okay. I want to ask as well right now for you, Muhammad and Alfan Group. Okay, I think like competition is part of the game, you know. So how you keep yourself innovating and making a fan stand out from other like brand that come after you or like doing other similar service? How you make a fan stand out from competition? Beautiful. So for us, something uh, a value that we have at Alfan is we never settle on our accomplishments, right? We just did the Burj Khalifa baby gender reveal with Anas and Asala. Mm -hmm. It got crazy media attention. Everybody ended up seeing it. But for us, we don't. We just talk about it for a bit and we move on. Right, because for us it's about how can we innovate to go to the next step. Okay. And this is something that helped us, because when you look at the inception of Elfen, the way it started as a channel management company to mm -hmm. now a platform that supports all creators. Yeah. So every year we look back at what we're doing, it's like how can we be better? Yeah. We never stop on the first place position, because when we look at the history of businesses, Nokia, they were the killers, man. I had my Nokia phones, I was so obsessed with how it had 8 gigabytes of mute, like uh, data. And or like storage and, and sharing like the the ringtone script exactly. you know to make it just like a special ringtone and the fact that i can send bluetooth for me that was crazy but and those guys thought the same thing but they stopped innovating yeah so for me it's like you learn from those mistakes so for us it's about always what's the next thing and we're working on things that are still for two years in advance wow but we're hoping that hey like you put your eggs in a lot of baskets yeah and you just keep on betting on different things and then hopefully a couple of those things stick yeah and you just expand from there I think now let's talk about Expand with the launching of a couple of days ago, the new platform, Alfansuk. So I think right now you are helping creators to owning their own marketplace, which is um, a very huge uh, business stream in US and Europe. And right now I think will make some difference for creators to starting having, we call it like a pure channel to generate revenues, uh, sometimes can be without brand. So what is the idea behind Alfansuk? Definitely. So when you look at what Alfan was doing, initially we were making a lot of money from just YouTube revenue, yeah. right? And our creators were finding a lot of support and they're making good money. But then they realized, 
hey, it's not enough for me to create amazing content. So then we started doing influencer marketing. And with influencer marketing, we've run a lot of ads across hundreds of our creators and influencers and a lot of amazing campaigns. Yeah. But then as soon as COVID hit back in March, we ended up seeing a lot of advertisers and brands pull out from a lot of different campaigns. Yeah. They're still spending, there's still a lot of growth in the industry itself, especially because it's digital, yeah. but it's not as fast as we want it to, to grow. Correct. And that tiny bit of threat makes you realize, hey, we gotta make sure there's other ways we can support our creators. Yeah. And that's where Alfansil came in, which is a 360 platform to kind of create brands for all our influencers. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, our influencers are creating amazing content, yeah. and they've built amazing brands and amazing stories. Mm -hmm. And the fans want a way to connect more with their brand itself. Yeah. And that's where the idea came in. It's like an e-commerce platform that any of our influencer can sign up with Alfan, and we can build a brand for them and distribute it and ship it all across the world. And right now we just started with three different stores mm -hmm. and just very simply like a white and black polo for Arab GT, which is the number one automotive creators in the Middle East. Yeah. And then uh, a 25 esports uh, team as well. We launched their just black and white polo uh, yeah. jerseys. Yeah, I see it. It did very well, Yeah. right? So for us, it made us realize, hey, like there's a lot of opportunity. And now our creators are not just worrying about, hey, when's the next advertising deal gonna come in? Yeah. It's like, hey, like I can use this to sustain my business. Yeah. And they can start creating better content where their fans will end up liking them more. It's a 360 effect. 100%. And also, Muhammad, I want to talk also like uh, you've been in the game for the last like five, six years, you know, and there is a lot of changes happening in social media, especially right now with um, we got low percentage of organic reach. It's almost like 5% right now. Do you feel it's kind of like uh, ripping off the fan base from creators because actually this platform are making money from the fan base of the creator. So uh, in my personal opinion, I feel it's not fair. This platform take away the fans from the creator because if you can just make money from advertise, I don't see a point from cutting the reach of creator to his fan. So what's your thought on this? And do you think this can be sustainable in long term? So this is the thing where for us, we focus on the formula of not the platform, but about creating content. Okay. And you got to create content wherever you see a platform that's relevant. Okay. And right now we see two platforms that are giving us that organic engagement, which is like LinkedIn and TikTok. Correct. Right. Whatever you create, I put a LinkedIn post, tens of thousands of people see it. Correct. So it has that viral aspect where other platforms like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, they're hurting it a bit. Yeah. But for us, it's like, we just got to understand the algorithm and keep on reworking or changing our content to kind of match that algorithm. So yes, platforms are hurting it, but I think people are still able to get a majority of the reach and get discovered on those platforms. Okay. It became much harder today because mm -hmm. there's so much content, yeah. but it's just about continuously creating content, mm -hmm. learning from the insights, yeah. and just fixing up that content again. Okay. Because yes, platforms are doing this because now the platform wants to control what the audience sees. Because for them, the sad reality is they don't care about our, their creators as much as they care about their audience. Because without their audience, they would not have a business. Wow. So they really want to focus on making sure their audience is happy. So they select what their viewers want, like should see. Yeah. But it's on us to understand what's the algorithm behind that concept. Yeah. And creating content that matches it. Of course, still staying with our own DNA. Yeah. I'm not saying like go into pranks the next day or something <laughs> because it's trending. Yeah. But just figure out how your content itself can match with the yeah. algorithms and social platforms, and just create that content in a similar way. I think also uh, right now we're seeing like a big trend in terms of data analytics, you know, because um, Alphan Group itself, it have almost like 1.7 billion uh, monthly view, you know, exactly. and also manage almost like a thousand uh, influencers and more than 500 YouTubers. So I feel like there is like 
millions of millions of data every day, you know, through different like um, influencer. How Alfan uh, see data importing and creating the future? Data is the, one of our fundamentals. And what we do is because we get almost 2 billion views a month, we understand what works and what doesn't work. And we take that insight across all the social platforms yeah. and we created a benchmark or the best practices for all our creators. Yeah. And we just help you understand your audience and how they react. Yeah. And using the successful metrics that we've seen, mm -hmm. we just get everybody else to apply it. Yeah. And the more people apply it, the better their content becomes, the better viewership they end up generating. Yeah. So data really is the way you build stuff on social. Yeah. Don't ignore the likes and the comments that you get, but yeah. just see how you're building your audience, see how long they're engaging with your content. Yeah. And if you understand your audience well enough, that's mm -hmm. the true success story. And some of our top creators at Alfan, if you look at them behind the scenes, they're super smart when it comes to analytics. Wow. Because they end up just leveraging the analytics and they understand the game itself. Yeah. So really it's about understanding this post, why did it perform and why did it not perform? 100%. And this is something with our technology that we're doing as well, is to help creators understand it in a much simpler way. Because again, understanding analytics is not for everybody. This is very true, you know. And I want to ask the one billion dollar question, which is everybody like in the region I like asking one billion about. dollar questions. <laughs> That's why I keep it like for the last because it's like the one billion dollar question, which is like we see the new trend right now of like uh, artists, which is um, we don't call it the typical uh, Arabic artists. It's more into like emerging artists singing English, but Arab roots, you know. Which is like they are kind of like trying to fight against the algorithm, which is like how we can break, uh, break down artists from the region here with overseas, which is our singing English, it can be like Arabic pop or English pop, or this new trend of artists that we're starting kind of exporting music intentionally, you know? Because right now, even YouTubers, they become singers themselves. So as a fan group uh, founder and CEO, what is your thought on this emerging uh, artist in the region who are actually have very good content, but maybe they are lacking of how to promote themselves or building that fan base. So what, what is your own thought? And at the same time, what is advice to kind of scaling this artist in their own careers? So I, wanna, I want you to also focus on a point, and artists should be aware of it, is that not your first single or second single are you going to be your viral hits. If you look at the history of the top successful artists and creators, they've done this for years and years and years until they had one lucky break. And that's why they call it the lucky break. Yeah. Because even for artists, the idea behind it is make sure they're doing it for passion and not for the money. Because sometimes the money might not come for seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. But if they're creating the music and they're creating something they're truly passionate about and they're consistently doing it, you're bound to grow. Look at this, the, the beauty about social platforms. And something, by the way, the artists should do is build their channels across all platforms. Yeah. Right, but when you look at it, it's like when you do that first song, yeah. you might have 500 followers. You do your second song, you might have 510 followers, but that's still more than still having 500. Yeah. So it's about consistently trying to create as much content, mm -hmm. and then hopefully one of them takes you from that 510 followers to 25,000. Yeah. And then from 25,000 to a million. Okay. Right, so it's about just the whole concept behind it is consistency. It's not going to be your first video, your first song, your first podcast. Yeah. You just need one of them where someone from that 500 people that's going to like it, they're going to share it to their friend. Yeah. That friend is going to share it to their friends, and you start getting that viral effect.
But I think also I want to kind of add on this subject, like I want to ask your opinions, because we're operating in the music business as well, like we have our own record label. And, this, uh, and I think the painful part we, we really discover, which is like the discovery process of artists, you know? So what happened is like you find an artist like spending a lot of money to make nice songs, nice music videos, studio session, everything, and end up with just creating a new YouTube channel from scratch, starting building fun. It will take really years and years to reach to that 100K. So what we are thinking about is like, Instead of like creating that micro micro channels, we can operate as a network and getting all emerging arts in one platform. Because right now, is the painful part is the discovery, which is like you need to be part of that community, which is helping the discovery process, especially in terms of artists. So, what do you think onto the um, we call it like the network process? Because you, ma you manage many channels. And what is your thought on this? And the network process is something we believe in. If you look at everything Elfan does, we have something called the network effect. Even when you look at the e-commerce site we created, the beauty about having our online stores for each of our influencers that this influencer brings in their followers, yeah. this one brings in their followers, and that does a cross-platform because, hey, I might discover you and you'll discover me. Yeah. And that's why a big thing is collaboration yeah. and working together with other people. Yeah. The same way I'm doing this podcast with you and also we're doing it together yeah. is that people who follow me and people who follow you are now going to cross. And we slowly build our audiences this way. And that's something very important with the network effect. I think that's the network effect because uh, before even like YouTube and internet, I think the MTV was breaking artists, you know? So if you make your song a reach out on, on MTV, it's like you made it, you know? So I, I, I feel like it was interesting fact like uh, from 2008 maybe till 2012 to everyone have his own MTV. But I think in the last five years, you cannot operate your own MTV by yourself, right? So you need to have big team to take your MTV from zero to exactly. million subscriber, right? Which is, uh, some people give up on the middle of the process. So, um, t uh, like, tell us is exactly what Alfan Music uh, offering for artists. So, what Alfan Music does for artists is we help artists distribute their music to 30 plus platforms. We help them in the promotion and collaboration aspect. We've seen it a lot by utilizing the algorithm, whether it's on YouTube by making sure you apply the best practices, mm -hmm. uh, or by using your music on Spotify and Deezer, how to get into the right playlists, getting discovered. That's exactly the network yeah. effect. You being on a playlist, yeah. people, a lot of people listen to their music through shuffle or through yeah. playlists. Yes. And sometimes you hear one song, it's like, oh, what's this song? Yeah. And then you end up saving it. Yeah. So for us, we learn on how to promote our artists and through playlists and through our partnership with our platforms. Yeah. But at the same time, is helping them understand social. Yeah. Because their Instagram account, their YouTube account are big tools for discovery. Yeah. If you always you look at anything you post on Instagram, yeah. they'll show you an X percent of people weren't following you. Yes. So that helps you understand that, hey, like if you keep on getting that platforms, yes, the organic reach is smaller, yeah. but it's still there. And I think it's um, the first, like we call it, painful thing you mentioned when we discuss about YouTube, which is like the copyright. And I feel like... Um, well, copyright is a huge area yes, we work on as well. Area. Helping you earn royalties, yeah. understanding all your viewership from all the platforms. Because yeah. anyways, royalties is a huge way our big artists make a lot of money. Because like a catch-21, which is like uh, artists uh, make music, creator create contents, they need music from artists. But uh, you feel there is no direct relationship between creator and influencer. And I feel right now, it's, we see the booming from TikTok, which is actually many artists discover through like video go viral. So you feel like um, Alfan can actually create a stronger relationship between Alfan music and Alfan influencer to helping this merging artist to even expand. Exactly, because our solution at Alfan is we support anybody who creates content. Yeah. Right? And every kind of format of content. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, there's that huge network effect that we can get our artists to collaborate with our vloggers, 
feature their song for 15 seconds and they just mention that song. Okay. Because anybody who discovers your music or sees it might become a listener. Yeah. And one loyal listener after one another, one another, you mm-hmm. start build- building your own audience. I think the buzz of the year after the pandemic, which is the Burj Khalifa baby revealing, you know? So I think I make it like a question by itself because it's something really huge, you know? Um, I think really it takes a lot of um, belief from you as a CEO itself to kind of trusting the vision of the creator and helping to create and disrupting, uh, innovating uh, marketing and advertising. I want to break down the story about how the concept coming and and how really this disrupting and millions of, of people seeing around the world. Because I feel in the end of the day, it's not a more of advertising, it's a more of promotion to the city, you know, and create, creating, let's call it like a positive effect after that kind of low energy around the world. So how is the idea of this project? So. Basically, what we try and do at Fan is like our concept is breaking barriers, right? We want to do something that is not done before, and we want to be like unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like we're always looking for the next big idea. Yeah. So when Anas and Asala, one of our top creators, mm-hmm. uh, were talking with one of their friends, Ahmed Nasheed, uh, and they were trying to, you know, maybe gender reveals are a huge concept on YouTube. Yeah. But everybody does them. So for them, it's like, how can we be, be different? Yeah. And what they ended up thinking was like, hey, let's do something on Burj Khalifa. Yeah. And they mentioned it to us. We're like, hey, you know what? Why not? Let's reach out. We're yeah. very well connected in the market. Okay. We reached out to Dubai Tourism and Amar, and they loved the idea right away. Wow. And we were, you know, we were super excited. Hey, they loved the idea, but it took a lot of work by getting, of course, everybody to approve the concept. Uh, how was the concept going to be played? The behind the scenes, the organization. But yeah. at the end of the day, it, it did take a lot of work, uh-huh. but it created a buzz. And by the way, it created a bigger buzz than what we were expecting. Wow. And the buzz that ended up happening is a lot of people were saying, like, why was Elfen involved in this? Is that we're here to support our creators, yeah. right? And if we help them show their dreams and create their dreams for them, yeah. this is where we are on their journey. Like, especially the Anas and Asala. Yeah. We've worked with them when they had 1 million followers. Yeah. Now they have almost 10 million followers. So really kind of taking them from a family out of Ottawa to being one of the top creators in the region yeah. is also part of our success story, which shows how we can replicate the same concept for a lot of other creators. Okay. And honestly, for them, it was an amazing buzz, uh, happy moments, everybody fell in love with it, mm-hmm. uh, and crazy impact. I think we had over 6,000 videos on YouTube yeah. made about that same topic. Wow. And yeah, I, I see the reach is really, uh, um, uh, it's really amazing, like the whole world talk about it. And I think this is, as you said, like you, Alfan, is more onto like, um, keep continuously what you're doing. So you're not stopping at one point, keep bragging, but exactly. always got keeping that excitement. And I think also like a um, couple of days ago, you're creating another buzz in Saudi Arabia with that huge billboard for music, for exactly. Spotify. So uh, for the people like you don't know it yet, maybe you know it later. <laughs> so uh, tell us like about we this. Just, camp- we just <laughs> tweeted about it, like it was very down low, but this is what we're trying to do. So we worked with Spotify on trying to feature some of our artists. Yeah. So they basically always want to do kind of activations and we made a playlist with them which is a specific genre in Saudi called the Shailad genre. Okay. Uh, and they had the opportunity, it's like, hey, we want to feature some of your artists. We collaborated together, and they ended up featuring them on a big billboard. And yeah. these artists, they loved the idea. Yeah. Right? For them, they're just creating their music. But to kind of get that exposure yeah. helps build their credibility as an artist, helps shows that it's the new MTV, like that I've made it. Yeah. You know, like I'm on a very big billboard, 100%. which is a huge skyscraper. Because I feel like, to be honest, like, um, we feel bored from seeing everything on Times Square and the same thing. I feel it's mere, like just for Spotify, you guys, if you're watching this, you know, to feel like we are here in the region, we feel more proud to see our artists in our region, symbolic, 
maybe Burj Khalifa and somewhere here, it's more just like not seen in the Times Square because it's not the same audience segment, you know? Exactly. And if you guys like take a look on the city, we have a lot of spots that can be actually book potential and the same time creating, connecting the arts to the true fans. Because if people working on the Times Square, and we'll not listen to the arts from here. It's not the same segment, you know? But, but this I, is the same thing about our business. Like, we're here to create something from the region for a for global level. Yeah. The same way the Burj Khalifa activation was a global activation. Yeah. My friends who are in Toronto and different, this. completely industries, were like, hey, like, we saw your logo. Is this something wow. that you guys were working on? Yeah. So for us, it's kind of, you know, enriching our vision of, like, taking things from a local level to a global level. Yeah. And this is something that we're here in the network, yeah. we're here as a community, yeah. supporting each other through the network effect mm -hmm. to kind of create better content. Because at the end of the day, we're all gonna benefit. Yeah. People always worry that, hey, uh, this person is competing with me, so I'm not gonna support them. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not true. The more creators are out there, the yeah. more people are gonna be aware of the industry, mm -hmm. the more brands are gonna spend about the industry, the more platforms are going to be like, hey, we want to invest. Yeah. The investment of YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all those companies yeah. didn't come only because they saw a lot of creators come out. Yeah. If TikTok created the platform and realized people weren't creating content, yeah. especially who people think those are their competitors, yeah. they would have not invested that much. That's but really because they saw all that result, they're like, no, we definitely need to invest into growing the platform itself. That's really interesting. I think also like for many people, maybe they don't know that Alfan as well, involving in uh, movie score, which is like... Um, Almost like um, four years ago, uh, 23 September 2016, with Bilal exactly. and a warrior with Akon and a red one. So this is a huge achievement, honestly, to creating like... I love how you know all the, <laughs> the aspects. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like um, it's a huge achievement to be part of one of the first animations movie in the region, and especially like directed with um, one of the most famous directors uh, movie from Disney. So, and shout out to uh, also like the director from Saudi Arabia, uh, Jamal. Uh, Ayman Jamal. Ayman Jamal, shout out to Ayman Jamal. We are proud of you, you know, this is something really huge. Um, I think when I listened first time to Warrior, I feel like, Every entrepreneur here feel like I am a warrior as well because it's more into like symbolic song exactly. and it's very meaningful thing. How you get on that opportunity and how Alfan uh, putting their own touch in this amazing project. So this is what I mean about just hustling, right? As soon as I saw the news that this movie was created, I discovered the name of the Staz Ayman okay. and I just sent him an email. And people say like, you know, I've sent 50 emails, 100 emails. I sent the email and the CEO himself responded. Wow. So for me, it's like, hey, I'd love to hear more. We continued talking, we hit it off really well, and we ended up holding a lot of the marketing aspects for the movie. Wow. You know, we did an activation in the UK, we did some activations in the US, uh, even on around, around the Middle East, and we built some part of the impact for the movie. Wow. And for us, it was very symbolic to kind of work with something as well, going from the region, yeah. again, to a global level. And wow. it wasn't an easy project. They spent over $25 million on the animation movie. Totally $33 million. Wow. So, right, something like that is like, yeah. we got to be proud of it. Yeah, of course. Because right now we're finally getting movie theaters in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. We're finally seeing Arabic-made movies. Of course, we always have the drama, but, you know, the goal is the same way La Casa de Papel yeah. was a Spanish film or True. a show, yeah. was dubbed in many languages, and yeah. people loved it in the Middle East. Soon enough, we're going to have content from the Middle East dubbed in a lot of other languages and also going to have that global impact as well. I think like right now we're going to the next uh, question, which is like we're seeing right now the growth of uh, Netflix in the region, and right now also the launching of last year the YouTube originals, and now last week also 
OSN original. So we see a lot of original, but we don't see original dollars as well for funding to create exactly. original content. So I feel like right now uh, we see some announcement, a couple of million dollars here and there, signing some, uh, we call it like uh, uh, production studios. So I feel like Alfan is already ahead of this game, which is like with original shows and digital content. So do you feel right now this kind of platform need to have original content from the region to creating that kind of competition beyond just like the international format. So what is your thought on this? So when you look at all those platforms, let's say Netflix or Joey or Disney Plus, the way they're going to compete is not by licensing the same movie or film that exists on all the platforms. They have to create something unique. Yeah. Otherwise, I might just stay on one of the platforms. Yeah. So the idea behind them is like we want to be able to create original content. Mm -hmm. And for them, when they're looking at that and when they look in the Middle East, we're finally starting to see studios come out. We're starting yeah. to see, you know, proper directors from the region creating amazing formats. Mm -hmm. And we've started to see some formats appear on Netflix or Shahid or OSN or all those other platforms. Okay. But this is where creators are going to be needed, right? Yeah. The more digital creators out there, they're going to be the next movie stars. Because yeah. at the end of the day, this is a digital play. Correct. And when Netflix wants to work with somebody, if they want to work with a specific actor, mm -hmm. uh, but he also has 10 million followers on Instagram, yeah. oh, they're going to definitely want to work with you because you're going to help promote the, the, the movie or the show. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity, and I know we're not seeing big numbers now, but yeah. it's coming. It's coming. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it come. There's a lot of talks happening, yeah. and a lot of original formats and shows, especially Shahid right now, is really focusing on enriching the content because they originated from the Middle East through yeah. NBC. Yeah. So, but we're seeing all the other players catch up because we have a large segment. There's over 300 million people in the Middle East. Yeah. And that audience is very important to all the platforms itself. Okay. If you have like to choose between uh, passion or talent, what are you going to choose? A uh, very tough one. But passion, passion really works. And this is something that I look for in anybody in our team. Because right? okay. when you, everybody that meets with our team, especially creators, they see that everybody is passionate yeah. about the industry. Yeah. And when they're passionate about it, that talent can be built. Of course, you might not be an expert in digital, mm -hmm. but if you spend enough time in it, you'll become an expert. Yeah. Everything takes time and it takes patience. Yeah. But if the passion didn't exist, I'm not going to invest in it. Right? It's as sim simple as that. So if somebody's not passionate about creating music or creating videos, they're going to create it, and they can be the most talented videographer. But if they're not passionate about it, they're yeah. going to give up because yeah. they're just doing it for the money. Yeah. Right? The same way I can be passionate at, say, in finance. Yeah. But if I'm not in love with the business that I'm doing the finance for, it's also going to be like just another, another job. Okay, Mohammed, I want to ask you about very, very important questions for influencer and content creator about credibility, you know? Because you see, like, nowadays, like, influencers just also uh, forget about his fans and just jumping with any brand and can be actually jumping from competitor to competitor brand and people get confused or fans get confused about the loyalty or the authenticity of the influencer. So what do you think about this very critical, um, um, like, credibility of the influencer? It's a huge, huge important aspect. Because authenticity and credibility are huge. And we have seen a lot of creators in the region either abuse it with over-commercialization of their content, yeah. or they've abused it with the way they've done with their content. Mm -hmm. We know this creator, for example, he was telling his fans he's giving away iPhone giveaways in every, every video. But people found out that he doesn't do that. Yeah. He lost his complete credibility. Yeah. He doesn't get any more engagement now. He has millions of followers, yeah. but doesn't get 50,000 views. Yeah. So being honest with your fans yeah. and understanding why they're following you and you being true with them, right? If you're not doing something and you're not happy with it, they're mm -hmm. gonna realize. Yeah. And that's why you see a lot of the successful creators, mm -hmm. 
because they're really passionate behind the screen, in front of the screen, they're very similar people. Yeah. And those guys end up succeeding way more compared to somebody who is lying a lot about it or doing it, let's say, just for the money. Yeah. And usually if they do that and they lose the passion, slowly it'll die out. And that's why you see a lot of creators that were once the biggest no longer in the market. Wow. But the ones that are truly passionate about it and truly built their credibility and focus on it mm -hmm. continue to grow. Yeah. That's why a big important lesson is don't work with every brand that yeah. just comes your way. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, your audience is smart. Like, we're the audience of the content. I'm going to notice if you're doing something that you care about or you don't. Yeah. And do you care about, it's good money in the short run, but you got to focus long run. Yeah. If I'm going to work with a brand and their quality, I don't like it, or the cream, I don't like it, and my, my fans are going to buy the product, and yeah. they're going to realize it's not a good product, yeah. I lost those fans. And those are my loyal fans. 100%. And they're very hard to rebuild back again. This is very amazing, uh, Muhammad. Thank you so much for sharing all this uh, um, story with us, you know. And I think we can wrap up with this with the same episode, how we wrap up, which is like, what is your best advice for any entrepreneur in the region which is starting his own startup? And I think he was talking like um, behind the scenes about like, um, um, it's not just about money, you know, you need to be think of smart. And I think smart money is really also as much as important in this. Um, from the years of experience with Alfine Group, you know, if you go back, that student, when you start, you know, what the best advice you give it for an entrepreneur that starting doing something can be disrupting in the region here? Look, a very important thing is, is be humble and be patient and be consistent, right? Because running a business, people might see it now today as a fan and see what I've done. But if I look back at the days where I've you know, rented any hotel, uh, slept over at my neighbor's place. I really built it from you know, the ground up. Yeah. And if people think that, we've seen startups, for example, when they've raised their first investment, they start flying business class. Yeah. They start living the lavish lifestyle. But yeah. it's not about that, it's really building something unique. Yeah. So it's about being consistent and being humble and don't, don't give up easily. Because sometimes, like you said, you might just be one email away or one DM away. Like you said, the Bilal movie was I've reached out to him three years after the business. Yeah. I've had 10 plus employees. Yeah. But I was like, an idea came to me. Why Instead not? of telling my sales manager, it's like, hey, let's reach out. I'm like, you know what? It takes an, it's an email. It's yeah. quick. Don't yeah. overcomplicate things. Yeah. Be humble. Be consistent. And don't burn bridges. Because if you put an ego on right away because you're a founder and CEO, yeah. people are going to just see right through you. People understand who is authentic and who's not. The same way we want our creators to be authentic, yeah. you'd be authentic right away. I know a lot of people here, they value the ego and they want to show more and they say fake it till you make it. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Of yeah. course, look, in some areas you have to. Like, yeah. I have a very funny story. Like when I first started at Fan, I was like 20 years old. Yeah. Now I'm 28. But when I started, people, a lot of them to work with you, you need to build credibility. Yeah. So I called the, the company is actually Elfan, but we called it Elfan Group. Yeah. And when that happened, uh, I ended up creating five different emails. Because yeah. people didn't want to work with an agency that nobody knew, yeah. right? Uh, and they didn't have a lot of credibility. So I would see, see these different emails that are actually all run by me just to kind of build a bit of credibility. Yeah. But I wasn't faking anything just because the norm back then didn't accept entrepreneurship from somebody young. Yeah. They wanted to see work with a big company. True. But even though what we did, we disrupted a lot of the big companies and we took over, yeah. even though they've raised millions of dollars behind us. Yeah. But it was true to the passion and the service that we were offering yeah. uh, to a lot of our clients. Thank you so much, Mohan, for sharing your story with us, and we wish you all the succeed with Alfan Group. To you guys and, as well. And for sure, we're going to have you more in our show with more achievement and more announcement. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Best of luck to you as well. Thank you.